0: Welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show in your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez and I'm joined here with Paula Bratcher Ratliff, who is the president of Women of Impact Tech. I'm so excited to have you here because I think this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and also to many people that listen to the podcast. But I thought to get started, can you tell the audience more about Women Impact Tech and what you do there?
1: Sure. So we started the organization in 2018. Um, I joined in October of last year as we were beginning to kind of relaunch. We're a live events organization primarily. And so we really had a shutdown during the pandemic. So we're relaunching our live events in 2022, and it's been a phenomenal um, year so far. We've hosted our primary event in the first quarter in San Francisco, and we are getting ready to be in Seattle next week. And then we have four more events throughout the country in Chicago, New York, Denver, um, and Boston. So still many events to come, but we really take a two-pronged approach, Mirabelle. The first one is focusing on women in tech and technologists that are at the mid to senior levels in their career and building a great network for them to reach out to mentors and have colleagues that they can work with across different industries, but all in the space where they focus on the tech Career, And then the other area that we focus on at Double Prong is sponsors that sponsor our events that are looking for support in DAE and I initiatives to increase the number of women in their tech departments. So, you know, this isn't a this isn't a statistic that people don't know very well. Many companies, Fortune 500, sized companies, a lot of companies struggle with bringing in female technologists. Um, and getting that equality in their workforce within technology. So sponsors come to us to either showcase and really talk about how they're doing it better than their colleagues and other people in the industry to draw these technologists to their organization, or they come to us and say, hey, our statistics aren't great, but we think we have a lot to offer. Can you assist us? And we do some thought leadership and work with them to help them achieve their goals and initiatives of equality in technology.
0: I think this is such an important mission. I think people struggle with it and they're always looking for uh, best-in-class practices. And I know recently there was some research from Deloitte that said uh, one in four leadership roles at sizable global tech companies are expected to be held by women so that's a gain from where we were in 2019 a 20% gain it's still not i think where we hoped to be so in your opinion given that you've been doing several conferences now you plan on continuing what are you seeing as the big trends in this space
1: yeah i would love to say they're all positive but unfortunately they haven't been right so we we saw the pandemic take and Im- make an impact for women in the workplace Unlike anything we'd ever seen. So when you look at females and males that were impacted by job loss, we lost almost a million women in the workforce compared to almost 300,000 men in the workforce during the pandemic. So women were impacted most significantly. what I'm seeing in trends is that everybody recognizes this deep need to have diversity in their tech departments and in their leadership roles. You know, we're seeing it in boards. You know, the statistics are moving. We're seeing a lot more women in board roles, which is phenomenal. However, while those are very positive, the things we're seeing that are not Uh, amazingly as strong is that the benefit packages and the things that that we need to retain women in their careers and give them really an environment where they can thrive and advance their careers, those areas are still falling behind. So during the pandemic, many people went to hybrid workforce or very flexible workforce, allowing their employees to work from home. And yet a lot of the tech organizations are coming back and Instead of leaning more heavily into remote, they're going very structured on days and hybrid, what days they have to be and still staying very structured in their tech departments around their scheduling. So we believe that for women to thrive in the workplace, they need much more flexibility because they're the primary caretakers of not just children at home, but often the elderly parents. So they burden responsibility unlike their male counterparts and desperately need flexibility around the hours that they can work, around the days that they're in the office and all that flexibility matters. Another area that we're seeing companies fall behind is just childcare support. So whether that be on-premise child on childcare support when they do need to be in the office or whether that's additional benefit pay towards childcare or the third option is just ensuring that they have backup childcare arrangements. It's really surprising the companies that are in the front, forefront of leading, um, bringing equality for women in the workplace, the innovations that they're bringing to the table. And it's really around flexibility and benefits around how they support for child care.
0: In, in some ways, this surprises me because not the flexibility part. I think we really, I think the pandemic has really taught us that um, people have done very well at home that the flexibility works i'm surprised that actually the tech companies are leaning so heavily in terms of bringing that back because you know they're also the ones that promote technology and say well you could work anywhere with this technology yeah you're you're bringing them back in the irony of that it's a very dilbert moment in a lot of ways yeah but the other thing is you know the company there were companies that provided childcare well before the pandemic and have done very well so it seems to me that this should have been a strategy where uh, and i don't know if it it has to do with where different organizations are in terms of the age of their workforce but You know, if they're building cafeterias, if they're building pools and bowling alleys and gyms, you know, you would think that they could have a childcare facility there. That would make a lot of sense to me. So I think that we will see some shift in that. And caregiving has truly become an expensive burden for a lot of women in the workplace. So I can see how this is a great challenge that we have to work through. And, you know, when I speak to companies, and I've spoken to many that have created DEI programs, they all claim that they're focused on promoting women in leadership roles. Are there things that companies are doing right? And you just mentioned a few things they should be doing to improve their efforts, but are there other things that they should also be looking at?
1: Yeah, I think, Mirabelle, when I ask women and have really strong conversations, and even from my own personal experiences, I think companies do a great job laying out their DEI initiatives. They put the right statistics in place to achieve the diversity that they need and that they know will make them a stronger brand and better for consumers in the market. But where they fall short is cultural change. So oftentimes, we see that the programs are put in place the initiatives are put in place and they focus very hard on the execution of get the hiring and getting the hiring done on the front end where we see failures and the statistics show that 38% of 38% of women that were left in the tech industry were looking to change careers or move out of the tech industry part of that has to do with where we fall short in in our culture, and it becomes essential for women, especially in tech, where we know that the numbers are not equal, that they have a voice at the table, that they are included in conversations around decision-making, and oftentimes, they're a second thought. The decisions are made with a small group, and then they're passed to the rest of the organization, and women become part of the rest of the organization, Um, so they don't get a voice at the table for big decisions. A lot of times, they don't find and even allies in that male counterpart that's really willing, not just to mentor them, but to be a sponsor, to elevate them and put their own reputation on the line to ensure their success in an organization. So I think from my observations and talking to women, that's where companies fall short. They are great on the DEI initiatives on the front end, really good on the hiring in the front end, but we fall short. And I I say we, because I was with a very large company where I saw this multiple times. It's the culture, ensuring you create an environment where they have sponsorship, where they have BRGs or ERG groups, where that really elevate one another and give them an opportunity to have a voice across the business and at very important critical decisions in the business. Those are the things... And then the other probably big one is transparency and compensation. You would think that pay equality and pay would be one of the easiest things to fix. And yet we know that's still a huge gap and companies with great brands are still falling short. um, And part of that has to do with that culture in the organization. They don't want to be transparent it has been a systemic problem for so long that they don't want the women to leave the workforce once it's exposed, that there is a gap. And we encourage companies to be transparent, to talk about that gap, to build out business plans, to move and close that gap over a period of time, because we know women are loyal, you know, almost to a fault. We have a tendency to stay with organizations longer. So if you are loyal and you know that is an inherent trait in the females that work in your organization. Transparency should be a beautiful thing that you share with them. There's a the gap. Here's our business plan to close the gap. Here's what it will look like. And, you know, women will stay. They'll stay in the organization and respect the brand for sharing the the strategy to close that gap.
0: I think that's a fabulous piece of advice that everybody can take back to their organizations and use. One of the things I've been thinking about is, how do we actually encourage women to have a voice and to make their needs known? And I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts or guidance, if, you know, say someone's in their mid thirties and I picked that time frame because that's probably when you have smaller children and you're dealing with some of these caregiver issues, what career advice would you give to them?
1: You know, this is such a great question, I, and you're going to love this story. I have an, and it's not just 30-year-olds. I would tell this to every young girl entering the workforce. They have a tendency to be timid. I have a couple of interns that, you know, you can tell they sit back. They don't say a lot, and I encourage them every single day to speak up. And if they see something that they observe and have an idea to share that idea openly. And I think that's what happens with women. We get this imposter syndrome. We feel even into our 30s because we are so busy. We are juggling a lot of home care responsibilities, whether that's with our elderly parents, whether that's with children. 30s are a very challenging time and we're juggling so much that we have a tendency, women, to not put ourselves out there and create a lot of ripples. We tend to go with the flow and just go with whatever's happening in the organization. And I would encourage women in their, you know, anywhere in their career to constantly stay on top of What does the marketplace say that my values and my attributes and the things that I bring to the table in my career, all the things, my education level, what are those worth in the marketplace? They should, we have so many amazing technical websites now and apps that we can use. We know what companies pay for our skill sets. So women should be doing that homework. They should invest in themselves. If they don't have time to invest in advancing their education or, you know, advancing themselves through learning and development, the minimum work that they can do is check in the industry that they're in or in the marketplace to see what their skills are valued in the market from a compensation perspective. They should know that going into work every day and ensure that their compensation is fair and equitable the market. I think they should always be checking that and then using their voice. Even if they aren't asked, I think when women, we should step forward and share our opinions and share our thoughts with an organization because oftentimes women are overlooked, not because it's a cultural issue to promote women, but we're quiet. We don't have a tendency to stand up and speak out when we want additional opportunities or believe that we're ready for stretch assignments. So I tell women all the time, if you believe you have something that can contribute to the success of your organization, it's on you to speak out and tell your leadership or a mentor or a sponsor what you want to do as a stretch assignment or how you want to learn to grow in your company.
0: I think that stretch assignment is really important too, because many women don't apply for the stretch assignment because they assume that you need to have 80% of the skill set to actually make it happen. And so few people, what we don't realize is that all the other people that apply, they probably only have 20 to 40% of it as well. Especially
1: their male colleagues. They have confidence level in the market when it comes to workforce that is unprecedented. They will apply for jobs at 20%. They'll go for the stretch assignment when they've got 20%, they just are far more bold than women typically are in the workplace.
0: And I think the other thing you brought up when you were talking about regardless of age, some of the things you need to look at, um, as you advance in your career, and you enter new roles, imposter syndrome stays with you. So it's a constant battle, no matter where you are in, in your career, if you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, you always feel like I don't know if I am qualified to do this, but this gets back to the stretch goal. Probably everybody else in the room is no more qualified to do it either. So you just have to really focus on what your strengths are. Make sure you surround yourself with people that um, can actually backfill the things that aren't your strengths so that you've got a holistic go to market with your team. So I think that that's uh, another important thing that people should be looking at. Now, I wanted to ask you one question about culture, because I do feel we're at a point where culture is changing in organizations. Any thoughts on how companies can build a hybrid distributed workplace culture? It's something that comes up a lot in the discussions I'm having. Don't know how to do this. No, it's different. Some thoughts on your
1: so I think we have to make time for the things that happen at the water cooler that we aren't around the water cooler anymore. And, and we often, you know, I, Certain, I'm at a certain age where that was never really something that was embraced even in the workplace. But I think with the multiple generations that are working today and because we aren't in an office, finding ways for humans to connect as individuals is essential to building a workforce where people really feel part of a culture and part of an organization in a very deep, meaningful way. So I will tell you that. Um, Things that were unique when I joined this organization, we use Slack and we have very interesting Slack channels for Pets of Andiamo, our parent company, Parents of Andiamo, which we share stories. And then there's one for travel and, you know, recipes and all these different channels, whatever your interests are, you can find a channel on Slack that's really dedicated to that. And, and it's even if it's just three minutes of your day to just say, oh, I have a quick break and go see or share something with your colleagues and get to know people in different parts of the country, different parts of the organization that do different things, but have common interests, whether it's cooking or kids or pets, those things, I think I probably undervalued how important they were. And I've been remote over 20, over 20 years in my career now. So the remote part for me wasn't new or interesting, but because I was always in sales I would travel. So I was with clients or I was with my sales team. So that piece was certainly a missing link for me during um, COVID. And when I joined this organization and they were so heavily involved with Slack and these really interesting Slack channels to bring groups together. I think that's been a phenomenal way for me to feel more connected than I probably have in 20 years. So I think that's a great way Um We take time once a week to, you know, do it's a game. We'll go out as teams and mix teams up and meet new individuals and play trivia games and different things once a week. And it's 20 minutes of the day. So it's such a short Um, part of the week, but you get to meet everybody and you break from the monotony of the, you know, values and core things that you work on day to day in your job, but you really do the human element and get to know your colleagues. So I think those are two ways that we can, you know, work really hard to get people more in that human touch, even though we're remote.
0: Makes total sense. I love it. And we've talked to a lot of organizations about uh, having you know in-person get-togethers at a certain cadence per year so that they get that one-to-one, they know who you are. And then when you go back to video or even back to audio only, you feel that you know the person and you have that human connection because it really is a human connection that we're trying to create. So I'd love to close out with a, a 10-second recommendation. Is there a book, a podcast, an activity, a place that you'd like to recommend to the audience and why? And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be technology-related.
1: Well, you know, that's a hard one for me because I don't have a single go-to. Like I try to stay varied in a little bit of everything and, and get exposure. Like I do Cheddar News. There's a segment on there called Cheddar that I try to stay in touch with like innovative companies that are coming out that are led by women. I, I still go back to the trusty old Wall Street Journal and and check in on their articles. Um, you know, there's there's the one thing that I read every week that's called the weekly 10 that tells me the top 10 things that are happening. Happening in the world. Um, and then I do all the podcasts that are women in tech podcasts. There's probably 10 that are on my repeat that I go touch base with. Um, I just think you need to, because we're multi generational now in the workforce everyone's interests are all over the place. So to stay connected both in the consumer side with our clients and to stay connected with staff, I think from a leadership perspective, I've always felt like it was important to keep my fingers in a little bit of everything. And not to forget LinkedIn because, you know, a lot of my network, that's how I know what's happening in their careers as well. So I try to make at least a 15 to 20 minute window every single day to kind of look at where my colleagues around um, my network work are moving, um, either by career choice or even advancing their career through LinkedIn.
0: Fabulous, Paula. I always learn something new when I ask that question. So thank you for your time and attention. I hope to see you again on a future podcast.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Nice to meet you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology.